Today on the podcast, I talked to Nate Edwardson, a content creator in the CrossFit space, known for his YouTube channel in which he daily vlogs, does CrossFit news uh, in detail, as well as his very unique Day in the Life series in which he follows CrossFit athletes in a long-form setting with videos around an hour, hour and a half, uh, giving just a very intimate look into what it's like to, to train and compete at the highest level of the sport of CrossFit. On the podcast today, we go through what Nate's journey was like to get to where he's at. I really enjoyed the conversation. I hope you do as well. Without further ado, Nate Edwardson. All right, so welcome to the podcast, Nate Edwardson. Thanks What's so up, much dude? for being on. Anytime, man, anytime. Yeah, so Nate is a prolific content creator in the in the CrossFit kind of YouTube space, uh, as well as starting a new clothing brand that's pretty exciting. He's worked with a lot of the top CrossFit athletes. So kind of what I thought to start with is just kind of how did you get your start in creating? Uh, what did that look like? How how old were you when you started? Just kind of the youngest memories you can you have. Yeah, so uh, started maybe like three three years ago now, three, four years ago, maybe something like that. Um, it was kind of like what you said to me in the intro when you talked about having like a creative void kind of thing, like the old intro for my day in the life videos um, had like a snippet of me from the first time I ever hit record on a camera. Ever. It was like 2018. And uh, I just like said at the start of my first video, I was like, I have a creative void that I'm looking to fill. And like, I think this might be how I can do it or something like that. Cause yeah, like I didn't have, I wasn't artistic at all growing up. I had zero, what I felt like I had zero creativity, creative ability at all. Mm -hmm. I was a good conversationalist. I like to talk. I like to get to know people, but that was it. Like I didn't excel mm -hmm. in like any other traditional creative pathways, never tried video, but never excelled in anything else. And yeah, never picked up a camera ever. And then in 2018, I would have been like 21 or 22. Mm -hmm. I found Casey Neistat. Yeah. on youtube and that was the first time i ever really realized like people created this sounds silly but like there were creators on youtube there were people who what they did was created content for youtube i didn't really watch youtube at that point like i just knew youtube as like epic meal time and like charlie bit my finger and like random stuff like that like it was not to me like a place where people went to to consume content regularly and so then when i found casey in his daily show I just became obsessed. I like binged the whole thing, like cover to cover twice, like super obsessed with it. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. And like, for some reason inside, I was just like, I feel like I could do that. Like, I feel like I could do something similar to that. And I think that looks super intriguing to me because he just gets to live his life and like document it and that's it. And so I was just like, I want to try that. So I was coaching full time, uh, going to school full time in Halifax. Um, so like school was from like eight to two and I was coaching from three to nine every day. And I just started to kind of like documenting the process of that. I didn't actually film anything to do with CrossFit. The first like 300 videos I made on my channel, which are not public right now, but um, I didn't mention CrossFit once. <laughs> like I, for some reason I thought I had to keep the two worlds separate, which obviously now looking back was probably like slowed my growth a little bit, but <laughs> um, yeah, it was funny. I was just like, okay, I don't want to mention CrossFit at all, whatever it was my job so i just kind of documented like going to school and back and like some lifestyle stuff and i made a video first video no idea what i was doing i shot the whole video with my iphone vertically and then when i went to edit it there was black bars on the side and i was like oh crap how do i get rid of those couldn't figure out how to do it so then i realized the next day you shoot it sideways and it goes whatever 
anyway, so I made a video. And then the next day I was like, oh, it was pretty fun. Let's make another one. So I made another one and I made a video every other day for a hundred days. And then I was like, I want to do this more. So I made a video every day for a hundred days and like very like trying to develop a blog style, like very mm -hmm. Casey inspired, but like trying to kind of find a little bit of a footing. And across those like 150 videos, I think I was getting maybe like three to four views a video. And I think I amassed like 34 subscribers or something like that. Like nobody was watching them. Um, but it kind of sparked a passion in me of like, hey, like I kind of like this, like, I don't know what I like, but it's something around this. Like, I don't yeah. know if it's YouTube. I don't know if it's video. I don't know what it is, but it's something around this. I like doing this somewhat. And so I was like, okay, I want to try to figure it out. So I was, my first thought was like, I'm going to try to get better at making videos. Cause up until that point, I was just like iPhone and iMovie and it was fine. You can do a lot with that. But I was like, I, I, in order to figure out like what I like about this, I'm going to try to develop a skill set and like just try out different things. Yeah. So I kind of went down the path of being like a videographer a bit more. So I started kind of like, I got like a normal camera and learned how to use that a little bit. And then I tried learning how to use like a real editing software and do other things. And that was right around the time I got a job offer to go to Ottawa and coach 50% of my hours and then create content for a gym called CrossFit NCR in Ottawa, which is Paul Trombley's gym. Some people may know him. He went to the games like 2014, been on the demo team every year since. Um, but anyway, so that was a cool opportunity. That was my first paid opportunity to create videos and to have a little bit of creative freedom. So I went there, I think in like, I want to say maybe September uh, of 2018 and then did that for a few months. And then February of 2019, got the opportunity to go to Wadapalooza to document Paul's team compete. Mm -hmm. um, and that was right around the time CrossFit obviously exploded yeah. and Heber and Marston were out of a job and they just started Buttery Bros. So I DM'd Heber for like the hundredth time. Uh, I DM'd him like a bunch about other things that he never answered. And then I just DM'd him. I just DM'd him one time and I was like, hey man, like I see you just started the vlog. I'm going to be in Wadapalooza. If you need any help, let me know. He was like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, we'll be there. Let's meet up. And I like dropped to the fucking floor. I couldn't believe you replied to the DM. I was like so fucking like elated. And, uh, Anyways, and so I ended up going, meeting him, volunteering to shoot, help them shoot two of their the two of their first three vlogs, um, the two they shot in Water Blues and when they were there, mm. and then rinse and repeat in London for strength and depth. The exact same situation played out, and then after that, they were like, "Hey, like we kind of like you. Like this is going well. Like maybe we'll start bringing you out." So then after that, they flew me out to a couple events, and then it kind of turned into a job. So after like mm. three or four times they were in a place where they could pay me and like, I obviously wanted to do it. So then I kind of shifted my focus away from the stuff in the gym towards that. And that's also how I met Rory um, and started filming with him. And so that was kind of like the second half of my 2019 or like kind of the middle of it. So from like February until about August, I basically just filmed with those guys, which was like so cool. Like I got to go to so many events. I traveled the whole world. I went to like Paris, Iceland, the games, I went to London. I went all over the States. Like I had left the country like once in my life, the country being mm. Canada where I'm from. And then I got all these opportunities, which is so cool. And I really just like, it opened the door and opened my eyes to like content creation and CrossFit. Yeah. And that was also the time when CrossFit media had just completely exploded. And so there was so much opportunity out there because like there's yeah. no one making exclusive content anymore. So there's just so much opportunity. And so from that, I was just like, I don't know, the wheels kind of started turning. I had done the video thing, the videographer thing for about a year at that point. So this is like August, 2019. 
Um, and I was realizing that like, I liked telling stories. I liked making videos. I didn't like doing it for other people. That was like the big light bulb moment for me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, if I'm going to keep doing this, it's got to be why I started in the first place, which is like a creative outlet. And like, otherwise it feels like work. If it's not just me being able to express myself how I want, it's not fun. It's work. I don't want it to be work. Never have. I don't care if I make money doing it. I just don't want it to feel like work. Mm -hmm. So that was when I decided to do like the craziest thing I've ever done in my life, which was leave. I had already quit my job at the gym at this point. Mm -hmm. But then I decided to quit working with Hero Marston and Rory, which was like, I, I had a fucking job that probably anyone in the world who's ever held a camera in the CrossFit space would have loved. And I didn't deserve it because I had no experience. Like all these, like I didn't, the first time, I, I'm just going on a tangent here, so feel free to stop me whenever you want. But the first time I stepped on the floor with Hero Marston, he handed me a camera moments before walking out on the floor at Wadapalooza to do the gauntlet workouts. I had never seen this camera in my life. It was like a Sony a7 III. I didn't know where the record button was. I had to go ask someone in the stands to show me where the record button was before filming. Like I was so underqualified. It was absolutely insane. Yeah. And I still managed to get this job. And so like leaving it, which is like, like it would probably blow people's minds. But again, I just realized I didn't like making content for other people. So then I, that's kind of what spurred me to start the channel. I had the idea for the day in the life series. And I was like, Hey, I'm going to pursue this full on. I had always kind of, in the back of my mind been like, I think YouTube is the thing. I think I want to be a YouTuber, but that was when it really cemented for me. I'm yeah. like, not only do I want to create content, but I want to be a YouTuber and I want to do it for myself. Like I want it to be my channel, my content, not for someone else. Yeah. So that like in like a five minute rant is like my journey from like zero to yeah. basically where we are now. I think that's a great overview. And I think let's, let's, let's dive into it and, and yeah. some more nuance. So, Take, take me back to like the start, like the, what is the first day of vlogging? Like, is like, did you feel awkward at all? Cause I feel like, like with people, cause I feel like for, for the, for, for a general audience is like the mm -hmm. act of filming oneself is very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So what, so take me through what, what is that first day? Like, and then what is it like when you start doing it every day? Did you, you just loved it that much that you were like, yeah, I don't know. So to answer the first question, it didn't feel awkward for me at all. Like I had no problem being in front of me. I think it's because like, I mean, number one, if you really break it down, no matter how camera shy you are, it's like you're camera shy because you're probably also shy at like going on a stage and talking in front of a bunch of people and stuff like that. That was never me. I always had no problem doing that. I love that. I love talking, whatever. That's how I also knew that like something like I was like, I feel like this could be a good fit for me because I it was very natural for me. But if you really break it down, like if you're someone I tell this to all the time who like wants to start creating and you are nervous, and you are camera shy, just remember, like, unless you're already like a celebrity, like realistically, it's going to be like your three friends and your mom watching it. Like, it's not going to be a lot of people. So like, don't overthink that. And that sounds harsh, but it's like the reality. So like, don't overthink it too much. It's you and like a piece of technology that you carry around with you all the time. Like it just talk to it, like talk to it. Like no one's there. Like, I literally said before hopping on this thing with you, I was like talking about doing this. And I was like, the reason I like doing this to the camera is because I get to put a face to all these people who watch my videos who feel mm -hmm. like they know me, but I don't know them. So that's why I love saying yes to podcasts because it allows me to share more of myself with, with an audience, but then also interact with some of you guys. Because like when I record, it's just me and this thing, like that's it. Yeah. And I'm just like talking to this lens and it's like, there's no back and forth. It's just the fourth. And so, yeah. you know, for me, it was very 
easy and natural. And I think for anyone that doesn't feel that way, just try to look at it. It's just like, it's you, it's you in a room by yourself. No one else is here. Yeah. You know, don't worry about who might watch it because yeah. you don't know what's going to happen. You know? Yeah. And I, I, I love the point that you make about like saying yes to these opportunities. Cause when I was like, when I think about asking someone, it's like, I often have like kind of that, that second thought of like, oh, I'm nervous about like, sending a DM to someone. And then I think about it, I'm like, well, because I'm someone who like, if I'm following someone, it's like, I like to, I like to hear more about their personal story. So I'll go and like try and seek out podcasts for them, whether it's an athlete or a creator. And a lot of people like haven't been on podcasts. It's like, I don't, there isn't information out there. So it's like, you know, even, even if you're not like a massive podcast, it's like, it gives you an opportunity to maybe address your fans in a different way, like in a different yeah. setting. So it's like, totally. Yeah. Totally. And I mean, I, th I think it's just like, if you, like, I genuinely, again, I was literally talking about right before this getting on, on the vlog, I was like, why I say yes to almost every podcast request is just because like, I, I just, yeah, I enjoy conversation. I enjoy talking with people. Like, it's just, this is just something I enjoy doing. Like, I, yeah. I like being on podcasts. It's fun for me. So like, I think a lot of people who create content probably shares, I mean, creating content's a very broad, whatever, yeah. any vlogger, probably would be cool to go on a podcast because they're probably not camera shy. They probably like to talk and have conversations. They probably like people like there's a lot of probably's there. It's not everyone, yeah. but like generally I think most people who create content in the same kind of sphere that I do probably like yeah. going on podcasts. So going from content creators then are athletes a different beast. So how, how did, how did you get at like the connections with athletes for them to be comfortable because so for those who haven't seen first of all go watch the day in the life series they're phenomenal if you follow crossfit uh and they're very long they're like our segments they're so they're like a they're like a visual podcast it's a very in-depth and personal look which is is pretty pretty unlike any any other content in the space that i'd seen so kind of take me through what that is like is that like an uncomfortable thing like reaching out to them or no not really i mean like i I don't know. I've always been a very confident person too, which I think helps a lot. And I think when you're around athletes be, or anyone that like might be viewed by other people as like a person of influence or celebrity or a scary person to talk to, like if you're just confident in your approach and you just treat them like another person, like it, it cuts down those barriers and opens up right yeah. away. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's just like, I don't know. I was introduced to them as a lackey for the most part. Like I was just the guy behind the camera with Heber and Marston there. And there was a very quick switch because I remember, like, I remember the feeling. I very yeah. vividly remember that feeling of these larger than light characters and people and being around, just being in the same room as them. You're like, oh, there they are. They're walking. Yeah. They're shorter than I realized. They're taller or whatever. Like, there's this whole thing, you know? And I got to experience that behind their camera, kind of hiding and being introduced and kind of slowly, whatever. And after like the first or second time of being in those environments with those people, I was like, we need people. And so then I just instantly switched to like my normal self, which is like a very confident, chatty. I like to get to know anyone. Like I'll talk to the bank teller for like 20 minutes about random stuff. Like that's just who I am. And I felt like that really like allowed them to open up to me. And even as the videographer, I was able to like form relationships with these athletes. And I really pulled on those when I started the series. Like the reason I was able to get like Pat Vellner, Brent Fikowski, Allison Scott, Amanda Barnhart, Noah Olson, in like my first five episodes or whatever it was of that series on a channel with no subscribers, yeah. no real incentive for them to let me do this was just yeah. because I had formed like a slight personal relationship with them 
and was like just confident enough to not only ask but like I feel like make them comfortable around me by just you know like as it, it I feel like if you like go up and you're like excuse me Mr. Vellner, um, I have this YouTube channel and well, um, it's not very big and well, um, I'm not really sure if you want to be on it. And uh, he's just going to be like, don't waste my time, move on. But if you just go up and you're like, Hey bro, like, I'd love to come film this video with you. It's a long video. It's all about you documentary and whatever. It's like, mm -hmm. chances are, they'll probably be like, all right, cool. Sounds legit. Like it's all really how you kind of approach it. And so again, for me, like whether it had been an introduction or just like who naturally my personality, like it was very easy once that wall was broken down yeah. to like just approach any and everyone. So. Yeah. Well, so diving deeper into, into that kind of that level of confidence, you self-described <laughs> as as feeling like you weren't qualified to ha have be holding the, the camera for Heber and Mars. So yep. how, how does that relationship come about? Was it really just like a DM to Heber? It literally, dude. So it's funny. Did he like right? look at so, your stuff or what? Like, I don't I don't know. I don't think so. I think it was, so here's the thing man. is like, I say that like, what was that? What did you just quote me as saying? I forgot it. You, you said about, you felt you weren't qualified to be holding. Oh yeah, the least qualified. Like, here's the thing with, with me is like, in that moment, I didn't care at all. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I should be here. Yeah, I'm gonna hold this camera. Yeah, I'm gonna record you guys. Like, there's no hesitation for me to actually in that moment, stop myself from pursuing an opportunity by overthinking whether I should be there or not. Zero. This is all after the fact. Literally, this is like something that I didn't think about until like I was chatting with Heber like six months ago and we sat down for like an hour and chatted. And like, I was just like, man, I can't believe you guys let me do that. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. But in the moment, I, I acted fully like I did. And I didn't let any of that show. And I was so confident in my ability to just like figure it out that it rubbed off on them, you know? And like, I think it was just the fact that like, that it was a right place, right time in the terms that they just started the channel. There's no way they could afford someone who was good anyways, because they would have had to pay them. So they were like, hey, this random dude sent us a DM. It sounds like he's held a camera before. Let's do it. And like really holding a camera is like pretty idiot proof. Like don't be, don't shake and you're pretty much good. Like it's, there's not a whole lot else to it. Know where the record button is, that helps. I didn't, but you know, once you figure that out, you're pretty golden. So I think it was just the right place, right time for the DM. And then because the moment I got there, I was just like personable with them. And I was very confident in like what I was doing, even though I didn't know what I was doing. I was very confident acting like I did and kind of, I don't know. It's like that whole like old saying of just like, you know, like, like act like you like fake it till you make it kind of thing. Like, you know, I was very confident that I could become good at that thing because I had little things like telltale signs that I might be. But even in that moment that I wasn't, I was like, I can figure this out. No problem. Yeah. You know, and that really, I think, rubbed off on them to be like, not only is he someone we get along with, but like, yeah, he seems like he knows what he's doing, even though I didn't. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that might be the biggest like underlying trait that I've found in people kind of in this space is just an unwavering confidence. Like even in those moments, because it's like that's really how you do get those moments. It's yeah, not, totally. It's not that you're like someone who has been taking pictures or making videos since you were a child. Like you're not, you, you don't have to be a savant to get started. Mm -hmm. It's like you, you had the confidence to, to go after, just to just start. It's like, that's the kind of the yeah. thing. Yeah. Bro, I'm telling you, like, I couldn't have been less qualified. Like I had, I had held, I had, I was maybe at that time, no joke, maybe six months off iPhone iMovie. 
like I had, I was still using iMovie. I was just trying to learn another software, but I had maybe used a real camera for like six months at that point. I had never taken a picture. They asked me to take a bunch of pictures. No idea how to take pictures. Um, and you know, it's just like, it's this whole thing though of like, I believed it was something I really wanted to do. And, you know, I also wasn't afraid to ask for help. Like that's the other thing too, right? It's like, you also have to be self-aware. You can't just be so blindly confident that you're egotistical and that you're afraid to ask for help. Like if there was something I didn't know, like how to hit the record button. I asked, I figured it out. You know, I was willing to go to the crowd and be like, Hey, I know I look like I know what I'm doing, but I don't like, and that's okay. I don't care what you think about me. I just need help. And I need to figure out how to do this so I can go and pursue this thing that I want to pursue. And I think sometimes people get so in their heads about what you just said, and especially people who come from a background like you, like I did, I'm a, I dropped out of university after a couple of years of a business program. Like I'm, mm. I'm not smart. And so people who are smart though, and come from a very like one after the other, after the other, after the other background of like, you know, you get this and you get this degree and then you do this course and you write this paper and you blah, 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 blah. And you have to do all that stuff. You can't be a biomedical engineer without going to school to be a biological engineer. It can't happen. But you can be a really successful creative person without any experience and any qualifications. Like it's, if you have a little bit of talent and a lot of confidence and a little bit of luck, you, you can make it really far. And it's about putting one foot in front of the other. And so often people get so wrapped up in being like, oh, I didn't go to film school. Oh, this person has yeah. a more expensive camera than me. Oh, they have a better Instagram page than me. Oh, so I can't create this thing. It's like, it doesn't matter. The, e the internet is the greatest equalizer of all time. Like it doesn't yeah. matter who you are, where you come from, what gear you have. If you're interesting, if you have something unique to share with the world, you'll find an audience and you can grow it. And like, I should be a lot of proof of that because it's, it's not my skill set that's gotten me here. Like at all, like it's, it is and it isn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, it's my skill set in terms of like being able to be a personality, yeah. but as far as the technical stuff, the ones and twos, what I could write down on a piece of paper, I had none of it, not even a yeah. cent of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just phenomenal. So kind of diving in, diving into the gear kind of point. So for, for people who are looking to get started in creating, the, really the message is like the story and what you're doing matters more than the gear, right? Oh yeah, dude, I could be, I guarantee you, guarantee you, if tomorrow I stopped using my big camera and switched to only my iPhone, I wouldn't lose a single subscriber and my channel will keep going. Like I can guarantee it. You know why? Because I intentionally switched to a bit more of a potato camera recently, only because I wanted a flip out screen and I wanted a zoom lens but I couldn't afford to buy it with the current camera I had because a lens like this with the current camera I had was like six thousand yeah. dollars, whereas this was like two hundred dollars used because it's from like the nineteen forties or something. Not actually, but it's really old. Mm -hmm. And and it was like, but it is a little bit less good quality. Nobody notices. Nobody cares. It's yeah. all story. It's all story. Story is everything. Story is king. Content is king. Always, hundred days a week. Mr. Beast is the best example of that he is the biggest YouTuber on the planet. Forty-five million views of video. And the dude intentionally has talked about how his choice to never upload in 4K, to shoot shaky handheld and always use cameras that look a little less good than what you would expect because it creates more of a realistic view. YouTube is about connection. YouTube is about a real person chatting with real people, sharing their lives in a lot of cases. Like, yeah, there's higher production level stuff, but that's different. People are then just using YouTube as a medium to distribute their content. Like Buttery Bros is a great example. Like Buttery Bros could take their content and put it on Netflix. It 100 yeah. could be there because it's yeah. such a high production level. That's different. What I'm talking about is like people who are just like I like they they're filmmakers. I yeah. bet you they don't as much identify as YouTubers. I identify fully as a YouTuber, and yeah. like 
that strand is just a little different. And so the connection and with the audience, whatever, there's a reason why David Dobrik still uses the Canon ADD with no shotgun mic. You know what I mean? Like the quality really doesn't matter. Well, I, let me say, let me rephrase that. The quality is so much less important than story and content. Yeah. Every day of the week. Yeah. And I, and I guess kind of the, the, like an, uh, an add on to that is like the quality of phones are really high now too. So high, dude. So it's like, like I you guarantee you, if I put a shot, I guarantee you, if I put a shot side by side of my phone with my current camera, and I was like, which one's better? Most people would say phone. Like it looks so good. It's not as good in certain situations. And mm. again, the technical aspect, not being able to have a shotgun mic or a zoom lens that I can pop, especially when vlogging. There's certain little things that make this worth it. But like, yeah, man, great yeah. camera. So the listener, the listener takeaway is. Uh, you should just start because your phone's good enough. You don't need to buy the Sony a seven R three to make what yeah. you want. Dude, it's, it's the biggest mind blow thing ever for me when I get messages and I get messages from people all the time about wanting to start creating content, but whatever X, Y, Z thing being in their way. And like, whenever it's gear, whenever they tell me that the reason they have to wait is because they need to wait till they can afford a better camera. I'm like you've already lost like that's that is so like that i'm sorry but like that's gonna make zero difference zero it's story like if you have a cell phone you can start like yeah. you don't even need a computer you can edit it right on your phone like it's so easy to start and it's the, the other thing too is like you have to develop like and it's so much easier to develop with less barriers and like what i mean by that is like when i was telling stories in the first how many videos i put out they sucked they were not good, but I was learning and every video got incrementally better. I would learn one thing from that video. Okay, apply it to the next, apply it to the next, apply it to the next. One thing, learn, 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 develop. And you do that by not putting barriers in your way. If you if you put so much pressure on yourself, for it to be, it's not gonna be perfect. Like that's the other thing too, is when people try to start creating and then they sit on a video for a month because they're like, oh, I need to be better. I need to reshoot this. Need no, like I tell people, I'm like, put out a video every single day. That's how you'll learn how to, like, that's how you'll learn your flow. That's how you'll learn to create. That's how you'll learn if you actually like it and if you care about it, because nobody's going to watch them. You're going to learn a lot from them. You're going to make no money from them. And that's how you're going to tell if you really, truly have a passion for it. And if that's the case, you'll start to develop from that. You'll learn, you'll like grow, like whatever. And then you can get to a point a little later, like I did, where you, you slow the brakes down and you're like, okay, now it's time for me to learn had a, a little bit of production value, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But like at the very beginning, you just need to learn how to tell a story. Like that's it. Yeah. So kind of switching topic, do you think was was like the first big pivotal like moment kind of in your journey with the Buttery Bros? Would you say that that was kind of the big thing or was there something? Yeah. Uh, I, would, I would give a lot of credit to NCR too though. Like the okay. Paul Trombley and his gym and like, they gave me the first opportunity really to create content yeah. like as a job. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, if it wasn't for that, not only would I probably have not had a ticket to Wadapalooza to meet Kiva and Marston and that whole thing might not have happened, but I also would have had like literally zero experience making videos. So yeah. like, I think that was definitely kind of the biggest jumping off. Well, not the biggest, I would say Heber and Marston were definitely the biggest jumping off point, but I would say that wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for my opportunity at NCR either. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of on the flip side, is there a moment, was there ever a moment that you doubted, doubted it? Like in, cause when, when you're making what, like 200 videos in the span of a year, mm -hmm. was there ever a day that you were like, I'm not going to pick up the camera today. Don't think it's working out. 
like is it hard to see see like however many subscribers like 30 subscribers and be like ah i made like 100 some videos it's funny so then no like when i when nobody was watching them and the channel wasn't growing at all it was like so easy to just keep making videos because there was like i don't know there was just not as much stake to it like i was still working a full-time job i was still doing all this other stuff the only times where it started to kind of get challenging and like even then like to answer your question like no it's, it's never really been like something where i was like oh maybe maybe it's done like whatever but like you know the the bigger you get the more like everything just kind of like evolves in the same like continuum so it's like you know you have 50 it's like that's awesome you want 100 you see someone with 100 so you want 100 and as soon as you get 100 you want 200 so you get 200 you want 300 yeah. and then all of a sudden you used to be getting 50 views and that was awesome that was your best video ever but now you're used to getting 300 views and you get a video that gets 100 views and then another video the next day that gets 75 views and you're like and like there are definitely like moments where you it's like i don't know just like you are evaluating i guess but like i would never deem it as like like ever like a point where i wanted to quit it's like the whole point of this game is that you have to be able to learn i mean any entrepreneurial pursuit you have to love losing and you have to learn how to lose and you have to learn how to grow from that because that's the only way you're going to succeed right like i wouldn't know how to do what i'm doing now if it wasn't for all the times i made crappy videos before you know so it's like you kind of got to love your losers and you kind of got to understand that like that is going to be your path to success and like if you don't fail you're never going to grow and learn like they can't all be winners so i think it's just you know there are times when you when i have to remind myself of that more than others i guess would be the best way to answer that mm -hmm. you know there are times like 2020 was a great example like i had the day in life series which was awesome and it boomed and it, the channel grew super quickly and like whatever and then i had to take a big step back to try to reinvent the channel in 2020 because of COVID, i couldn't do that anymore and like it was something i wanted to do forever was to like become more the face of the channel and not have it just be documentary and stuff have have it be a place where I could create whatever I wanted, vlogs, now news content, documentary and stuff like whatever, I can mix it all up. But I was planning on doing that later on, like I was planning on waiting a little bit. So, you know, all of 2020 was earlier than anticipated to have to do that. And that was definitely a struggle. But again, I just kept telling myself, I was like, oh, today's video didn't do as good. Sweet. Great. What did it? Why? Why, why do I think it did? What, what was the commonality between that and the last video that didn't do very well? Oh, mm -hmm. this. Okay, cool. I'm going to change this wording. I'm going to change this. I'm going to change that. Like, so you just learn from it. You yeah. have to be willing to accept that. Yeah. It's, there's, there's a good book by Russ, who I'm a big fan of. He wrote a book called It's All in Your Head. And one of the chapters mm -hmm. is focus on the game, not the mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. So and, and that kind of is getting at the point and uh that, that you're making which is like really focus on the journey of like what you're actually doing the points on the board don't matter mm -hmm. and i think i think maybe kind of a, a disparity is like right uh it's like everyone wants to be doing this right that is like kind of our age bracket is like being a youtuber is kind of like the dream of like what a lot of people like want to do they see that and they're like that job is sick but i think part of that is and, and then they struggle when they start making videos is like part of that is the attachment on their perception of what that end goal is like and not actually connecting with the journey so mm -hmm. it's like the resilience the resilience to put out that many videos with so few views is like astounding to me it's sure. impressive like 
Yeah, man. And that's, and I appreciate it. And like, you hit the nail on the head, like you're, you're definitely aware of this stuff. And like, it's, it's exactly that is like, you have to have a passion first, like yeah. 75% of all people under the age of 18 right now want to be a YouTuber. That is like yeah. a legitimate stat. Yeah. And, you know, I think the reality is, is that like less than 1% of them will succeed, right? Obviously, because it's such a big, it's such a platform that's very saturated, has a lot of opportunity, but like there are a lot of people trying to do it. So the reality is it's just like any pursuit. It's no different than Hollywood now. It's no different than the music industry. Yeah. There's a lot of people with SoundCloud. There's only, you know, a couple of Olivia Rodrigo's who like really break through and just yeah, smash sure. it. You know what I mean? And, and so it's like the, the end of the day reality is you have to be loving it. And like, that's my biggest advice to creators always when they start out and they're like, kind of like, what should I do? I'm like, whatever you want, like, it yeah. can't be something you don't want. Like, don't look at Mr. Beast and be like, idea beast creation is the ticket. I need to have a bunch of money and do exactly what he's doing. Cause he's the biggest YouTuber ever. It's like, I don't like idea based creation. I don't. I like relationship-based creation. So I like creating a relationship with an audience where I can do basically whatever I want that I feel like is entertaining to my audience and they'll tune in, you know? I like being able to make the title thumbnail not like some big stupendous like gave $10,000 to a homeless person type situation. You know, that was how Mr. Beast kind of really blew up. And so many people look at those types of things and are like, I have to do what this person's doing. It's like, you have to find what works for you and what you actually enjoy. And you have to be okay with that potentially not working and you know sometimes there's times where you can maybe make little pivots and whatever but like if you start chasing content creation with the goal of being a big big content creator and that's your only reason for doing it you're going to be so unhappy like even if you taste success on some level like it's it's going to be a job like no other or like any other story and the whole point of doing this is because it's not a job. Like I tell people all the time, I don't have a job. Like I don't have a job. <laughs> I sit down and I talk to a camera every morning about stuff that I would want to talk about anyways. And thousands of people tune in. That's my job. Like what? Like it's, it's so ridiculous, you know, or like today I just went to the gym, came home and had someone follow me around with a camera. Boom. That's my job done. Like it's, it's exactly what I would do with my day if nobody was watching exactly what I would do, exactly what I would want to do to a T. I fucking love making the news videos because I love talking about this stuff. I love formulating yes. opinions. I love having little debates with myself, but then I also love blogging. I love the lifestyle stuff. And then I also love just going and following around really impressive people with a camera and asking them questions, which is what all my documentarian stuff is. So like you have to figure out what works for you, right? Like if I tried to create like the buttery bros and I tried to be like, ah, like all the time like it's just it's not me it's not me and it, it would be so disingenuous and it wouldn't work and people can stuff that out and i would not enjoy it i would be chasing it because i'm like they're super successful i want to follow in their footsteps i want to do what they're doing and the only way to get there is to do it the way they're doing it like that's where people run into problems and that's where you fail and so that's why to tie it back to the beginning of what you said is like that's why my advice to creators too is also always like make a video every single day nobody's going to watch them make it every single day and if you hate it you're not you're not cut out for this or you're doing the wrong thing and you need to figure out what is the right thing what do you what could you make a video about every single day without hating it yeah that's your that's your that's your that's your niche that's what you need to yeah. dive into all right so speaking of thinking about like if you were a new creator on the scene this is going to be kind of a multi-part question yeah go for it so 
do first of all do you think that the crossfit media space so if someone wants to do something similar to what you're doing or what the buttery bros are doing and give it like granted with their own flavor do you think it's too saturated at this point no not at all man yeah not at all like i mean i would say don't try to do what i'm doing or don't try to do what the buttery bros are doing yeah, exactly. because that's saturated yeah but if you can find like you said your own flavor your own spin your own way to or like do something different like the reality is, is people look at, yeah, people might look at content creators, say in CrossFit, who are getting a good amount of views. And they're like, uh, there's no way I can tap into those views in CrossFit because they're already like people, someone's already getting them, you know, yeah. it's like what the reality of the situation is, is that you can't tap into likely can't tap into the views I'm getting on my news videos by trying to remake my news videos. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's probably yeah. not going to happen. Like, I'll probably beat you every day of the week, just because it's my thing. And I've already kind of put a foothold in the community, not to say someone couldn't come along who's better than me at doing it, whatever. But like, I would assimilate it to like the way Craig does news videos to the way I do news videos. So like mm -hmm. Craig obviously was doing news videos before I was, but I looked at it and I was like, there's a little bit of a difference in what I think I can bring to the table to what he does. His are shorter, like he has like 10 to 12 topics in a video usually. And he's like very meme heavy and they're comedic and they're like this and that, they're very him. He's like joking around, having a laugh, as the British people would say, like, whatever, you know, it's different. Whereas I like to sit down with one or two topics and like really spend like five minutes diving into a topic and trying to like, like just create a, a narrative around one or two topics instead of kind of like having a bit more of a comedic flair or whatever it is that Craig does. And so, if, you know, if someone could find a way to spin off something else with their own flair, I'm not saying it couldn't work, but like I said, don't, don't look at it as like, yeah, trying to do exactly what Buttery Bros or Craig or whatever are doing, you need to find your own thing. But there is still so much room for opportunity because like, you also like, I bet you no one thought of a day in the life series like I put out before I put it out. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they would have looked at the space and been like, everything that's that could happen is already done. It's like inventions. Like there's always gonna be more inventions. It's just you just haven't thought of it yet. You know, and like if someone can think of something that's new and different and exciting, they'll pull an audience, you know? And that's the stuff that like, I'm happy, like, I love to see cause that just rising tides raises all ships. Like I want more creators. I want more people doing CrossFit content, you know? Cause it just, it brings more people in, more eyeballs in and we can all share the love. But in order for that to happen, like you can't just be trying to do the same thing as someone else. Cause people will just look at you and be like, well, you're the, you know, Walmart version of this and like whatever, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, so, so what do you, Kind of what did you notice, I, I guess, when you were early in YouTube as being like a bigger or like the biggest contributing factor to kind of steady growth? Was it was it like the day in the life and like having recognizable names like in titles for like search hits or was it consistency? <laughs> no, that's, that's tough, man. Uh, it's a good it's a good question. I don't really know, to be honest, because if I did, I would probably be a lot bigger than I am now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I would say I haven't maintained consistent growth. Like. I go through ebbs and flows like every channel. Like I'll have months where like I get thousands of new subscribers and I'll have months where I get a couple hundred new subscribers and whatever. And like, so it's, it's, it's constantly an ebb and flow. Um, you know, I think the one thing I've learned is that the value of having a big name is a lot less than people think. So a lot of people think, especially podcast hosts that if they get, you know, a big athlete on their podcast, just putting out like, I don't know. My podcast used to be, I don't do it anymore, but it used to be called Inside the Life of, Inside the Life of Pat Bellner. Instantly, even if you've only been getting 
30 views an episode, you're instantly going to get a few thousand. It does not work that way. Mm. You know, there's so many interviews with Pat Bellner out there, so many that yours is still going to be buried. Like that kind of thing is like the impact of like having an athlete name or whatever is not as big as you think. It can help for sure, especially if it's someone like Fraser or Tia, even though now they're putting out their own content, but it can help, but it's definitely not as like monumentally important as some people might assume. Mm. Um, I would say the biggest, the biggest factor was you touched on it is, is really consistency. It's like finding something you love to do that you think you're good at and doing it consistently. And like your audience will attach to that. You know, I think part of the reason why the news stuff has grown the way it has is because I'm relatively consistent with it. Like I upload yeah. basically every day. Um, and I think that's part of the reason people start to be like, I can tune in to Nate's channel every day and get updated with CrossFit stuff. I'll know exactly what's going on, whatever. Even though I'm not, I never claim to be the most like analytical, like this fact is 100% right. Like that's like more than Jocko. I just kind of have a bit of fun with it, but I also like, you know, try to keep people in the loop and the stuff that interests me that I want to talk about, I talk about it and I do it consistently. And I think that's kind of what brings people back. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good point. And I, I think I've probably fallen victim to of being too kind of infatuated with the pursuit of like like a like an athlete or like a big athlete name and like when in reality it's like okay you you likely will get like more views on that one thing but what is like the user retention that you're getting if the rest of your content exactly yeah exactly will um, people really stick around yeah i think that's and certainly on like a space like youtube i think you really highlight the need to like understand what what the product is that you're selling so like mm -hmm. for you it's like it's, it's very much like your personality and your information is like mm -hmm. a big part of that so like having that so that the not only are you uploading videos consistently it's like people are getting what they want when they subscribe to you it's like obviously yeah. they've connected with you in a way and they want that so yeah yeah and i think you know it's funny because that was a realization of mine in the day in the life series too is like they were the channel was growing and i was getting a lot of views on these videos but i was like I don't want to have to fly to a different city every single week for the rest of my life to make a video. Like I want to make a video all the time. And like, if this is the only way I can do it, it's not going to be sustainable long-term and also, okay, I'm getting a lot of views right now, but do these people really care about me and like what I'm like, or do they just want to see the athletes? So like, that's where I was like, I knew at some point I wanted to convert the channel into much more of like a relationship based creator channel where it's like people come to hear my thoughts my opinions to see my life whatever and that sounds very like selfish and big-headed and inflated but like it's it's just the idea of like i i personally value relationship-based creating much more than idea-based creating and like i would much rather have a slower growth with a following or a subscriber base that like actually is there for me and like really like likes what i'm doing and supports me and supports the channel and whatever instead of just trying to inflate the numbers with like yeah all the biggest title thumbnails and guests possible yeah. but then at the end of the day like no one's going to buy your merch no one really is going to support the channel like your subscriber count will still probably be relatively low like you know whatever and like and if you ever want to bridge out and do something different they're not going to be there for you like yeah. there might be a day where i want to make this a golf channel i love golf i'm getting really into golf right now like one day maybe and although I know that not all of my audience would be down for that, I'm sure it's a significant portion would still be there to like hang out with me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, there's a big value in that. Yeah. I think, and I think sometimes it gets really overshadowed by like the sexiness of being able to, yeah, like you said, potentially draw 
a few extra views on one video. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's, that's a phenomenal point too. And I guess thinking about, you know, for people who are interested in like thinking about YouTube, if maybe they're considering like attempting YouTube as a career, you hit on like merch. So like, what, what do you see as, so like you're a creator and you do it full time. It's like, what, what is the role of kind of those outside sources in like contributing to kind of your overall compensation you know, with, without getting in like too much into the details if you don't want to. Yeah, yeah. no, I'm happy to share whatever, man. I'm open book. Um, it's changed for me a little bit. So I thought for a long time that like, I really wanted to grow like a big brand and a big merch company that was like off my channel and whatever. And like really put a lot of time and effort into that until I started doing it. <laughs> and then as soon as I started doing it, I was like, there's a reason why I'm not trying to be like a fashion designer or a retail salesperson or a customer service rep or an order fulfillment person. There's a reason why I'm not trying to do those things. And instead I'm trying to be a YouTuber. Mm -hmm. I really like making videos and that's really all I like to do. And like, as soon as I introduce these other things, I'm like, look, I don't really care that much. Like I'm really passionate about the brand and the message behind dreamer brand and like what I started, but I don't like designing clothes. I don't like shipping orders. I don't like dealing with like, with customer service and putting labels i want to make videos all day long that's all i want to do i don't want to do anything else so like it's funny man because there is a big opportunity there that i'm definitely losing out on but like literally the last drop i did was a bunch of t-shirts mm. and they sold out in the first day or like the mediums and larges or whatever anyway yeah. a lot of them sold in the first day which is like great and you would think that's success because it was like a bit of money and it was like the brand's growing or whatever Literally the whole next day, I was like, I wish I didn't do this. I wish I didn't do this. I wish I didn't do this. I wish I didn't do this because I wanted to create a video and I couldn't because I had to sit there and pack orders all day. I was like, this is not what I want to do with my time. Money is not worth it to me. Like I've never, that's the other thing is like, I've never cared about money. Like money is so, I don't give a shit about money. As long as I can like kind of pay my bills. Like even if it's like a little iffy sometimes, I don't really care. Like I just want to be doing what I want to do every day and that's it. I don't care. And so like, there's no incentive for me to grow something for money. Yeah. So although I would say that some creators can find immense success with that, you can see like Milk Boys is a great example of that, like, you know, turning a uh, online brand into a physical product. Apart from the messaging of the brand, like it's just, it's not something that I'm personally willing to put my time into. However, I am very much aware of the benefits that could come from it. And I want that there, but it's going to have to be someone else helping me out. So yeah. like, my girlfriend kind of interesting timing is like she's coming on kind of like full time in the next basically couple of weeks as we move to Halifax to like help with some of the managerial stuff of the channel and like the business side of it that I don't want to put effort into like like being organized and like booking <laughs> flights and like hotels and like running dreamer brand and stuff like that like she has like seven years experience in the fashion industry anyway so that's going to be she's going to do a better job of it than me too and I think that's the other thing is like I like to think I'm like decently self-aware of the stuff I'm good at and not. Mm. And like, I know I'm good at making videos. I know I'm not good at much else. So like, it's, you know, I just kind of like want to do that and that's it. Um, so yeah. 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 I think that's phenomenal. And maybe, maybe just share a bit about the dreamer brand for those interested. Uh... Yeah, man. It's just basically like the, the notion behind it is that kind of, like I said earlier, the internet is the gr greatest equalizer we've ever seen ever anyone from anywhere can do anything and if you have a dream you really just genuinely have to start doing it and there are certain exceptions to the world for sure like you probably can't become a lawyer without going to law school you probably can't do open heart surgery without going to med school but for the most part 
most other jobs and other things that you can do in life, especially big audacious dreams that are maybe higher to achieve, like something like a, or like more public, sorry, like a, like a content creator, or like whatever, like a writer or a singer or whatever, just start doing it. Like, don't let people get in your way. Don't let the idea of like, this person's better than me, this, everything we already talked about, don't let any of that stuff get in your way. Just start doing the act of doing will help you achieve those dreams. Cause that's exactly how I got to the achievement of my dream, which is still not the achievement of like, well, I still have more dreams farther ahead. Yeah. But how I got to where I am now is purely just by doing. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's a great message. So for those that are interested, check it out for sure. Uh, dreams. What's, what's next on, what's next on the list? What are you looking to do? It's really just a continuation of the same. Like I, yeah. like I couldn't be more transparent about the fact that like all I really like doing is making videos. Like, mm -hmm. so I don't really have anything else that I'm trying to do other than just like keep growing the channel. Yeah. Um, you know, I just, I think always my goal is just to like enjoy what I'm doing every single day. And if I'm not, I'm not going to do it. Like if I genuinely am not happy doing whatever I'm doing that day, I'm going to stop. And like, I've done that many times in my life with many different things. Sports are a great example. I've switched from sport, sport, sport because I stopped enjoying it. Even at, though I was getting to a higher level, I would always just jump ship if I didn't like it. So for me, it's just like, I know making videos right now is the thing I love to do most. And so I just want to do that every single day. As long as I'm happy, as long as I'm doing something I enjoy every single day, that's like it. I don't actually have long-term goals or anything like I've ever written down on paper or anything like that. Like little things, you know, like obviously I want to, but they're just, they're very macro. It's like, I want to grow the channel. Yeah. To what? I don't know. Yeah. Like I just sure. want to grow it as much as I can because I like doing it right now. But yeah. if I stop liking doing it, like who knows what I'll do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's an inspiring mindset and it's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. really inspiring. So I'm, and, and that's kind of my hope with always sharing these stories is that is to inspire other people and just kind of totally. show that you can do this. Like you can yeah. be at the point where you're doing what you love every day. And it's like, yeah. it's a thing. Well, dude, it's kind of, it's probably quite the mind fuck for someone like yourself who, like you said, you went to school for biomedical engineering, like very much like, you know, get your, get your feet in front of the other, get your, all your eggs in a basket, you know, make sure you have a, a good job that's paying mm -hmm. you money and whatever. Like a lot of people have these things that they're so concerned about, but like, you don't need to be like, it, it's so scary. And I get that for people. I'm like, there's a switch loose somewhere in my brain. I'm telling you, like for some reason, stuff that scares the absolute living shit out of 99% of the population just doesn't even face me. Like the best example I can give is when I left Heber and Marston and Roy, like working with them. I was making more money than I had ever made in my life at something that I had considered a dream job. I was leaving Ottawa where I was paying $1,500 a month in rent, making more money than I'd ever made in my life to move to Vancouver, the most expensive city in the country to pay $2,500 a month in rent. And I decided that I didn't want to do what I was doing with it anymore. So I quit. And you know what I decided I was going to do? Try to get paid to make videos on my own YouTube channel. You don't know how many how much money I made off my own YouTube channel before that day? Zero. Do you want to know how I intended to pay rent that month? No clue. No idea. I literally had no fucking idea where my next paycheck was going to come from when I moved out here. I had, but I was just like, listen, I'm not enjoying what I'm doing. I could keep doing it. I could keep making good money. It would have been the smart thing to do, I'm sure. But I have this thing I want to pursue. I have this goal. I have this dream. I'm not happy right now, day to day. So fuck it. I don't care. Nothing else matters. I'm going to pursue this thing head on that I think is going to make me the happiest and I'm going to do whatever it takes to make it happen. Yeah. So 
it's like a little bit of an example. It's like I just literally fucking DM'd every single brand on planet Earth for like a week straight, being like, please give me money to make this video. Please give me money to make this video. Please give me, I'll give you photos. I'll give you videos. I'll, I'll create all this content for you, whatever. And it worked. And I found it. And I kept doing that. And I kept doing that. And then and it all snowballed. But like, I get it, man. But like, and that's, I, I, I always have to tame myself back in because I'm like, I know it screws loose in my brain. And I know this advice does not work for everyone. But like you saying, you want to get to a point where you can be a creator, bro. You're at the same point I was at when I became a full-time creator. There's no difference, nothing. Like I guarantee you, we probably had the same YouTube subscribers. We probably made the same amount of money from content, creating content. Like we were probably the same age from what it sounds like. Like it's, <laughs> you know, it, it can be done. I totally understand. Like I said, a million times I have a screw loose and there's something different in my weird in my brain that like, doesn't make me like aware or fear that kind of stuff that I don't, I wouldn't give that advice to everyone because I don't think it is for everyone Yeah, to like make a, a crazy ass jump like that. Cause I know that could, I, I got, I have to be careful. The bigger this thing grows, I have to try to be careful with like the actual advice I give because like, again, what, what works for me might not work for someone else. But I think the point of the matter is, is that it could, you know, and like, if it really is something you're genuinely so passionate about and you're going to love every single day it's not going to matter if you succeed or fail you're going to be so fucking happy every single day nothing else is going to matter and that was my approach to pursuing this and i think that's why i got to where i have yeah dang all right well, well that's a good takeaway so i, th I think from there we'll, we'll kind of close the creator journey there and let's let's dive into some crossfit i want to i want to hear your thoughts uh, so i guess maybe what what did you see that excited you out of the semis um, I made a video today talking about the girls from West Coast, yeah. like Carrie, Bethany, and Daniel Brandon. I thought they had an amazing performance. I think the fact that they came one, two, and three yeah. out of this newly established camp is like insane. I think it shows that it shows a success rate for a new camp that we haven't seen yet, which I think is cool. Obviously, it means that you know camps are going to be the way of the future, but we already kind of knew that. So that was super cool. Um, I think Pat Bellner is going to win the games. I've been saying that forever. He was got cut in 2019 through that awful cut system, and he was injured last year. I think he's he's been ready to win the games since 2018. Maybe couldn't have beaten Fraser, but now that Fraser's not there, and he's like hopefully not injured, he's going to win the games. I think it was very evident in the Atlas game, super dominant. Um, I like the new system. I do. I think we need off-season competitions to come in to challenge CrossFit to raise the prize pool and stuff like that. The incentives like loud and live or whoever has to put on big offseason competitions that could draw athletes away from the games in order to force CrossFit into a competitive market space where they have no option, but to like treat these or pay these athletes more. Cause like the prize pool is fucking embarrassing. Um, at least for obviously regionals or semifinals or whatever. Um, yeah, those probably be my three biggest. Yeah yeah i yeah so i guess you you kind of mentioned it with the prize purses at semis it's like what do you what do you see as like being the thing to take crossfit to like i, I guess legitimacy as a sport because it's like it feels like it's teetering on the edge maybe it might be on the precipice but it's like obviously it's like when you look at like the, the sheer amount of volume that like the athletes are putting in a train for that like even even if you take someone who's like just someone who's making it to a semifinal, not even the, mm -hmm. the games it's like that's a full-time job it's their whole life yeah yeah 
Yeah, I don't know, man. I think in terms of professionalization, like I think a lot of it isn't even so much about the money. It's just about the like line of communication, decision making. Like there has to be a system where, you know, Dave Castro can't wake up on Friday morning or let's use a better example, can't wake up on Wednesday morning of the games and decide the events that are going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, I know he doesn't do that. I know he puts lots of planning into it. But theoretically, if he wanted to wake up the morning of the games and like change something, he probably yeah. could. Maybe the games is a bad example. Maybe let's use the open. He probably could with the open. You know what I mean? Like there are very, there are very few checks and balances in CrossFit's power and their ability to make life-altering decisions for some of these athletes with no notice and not tell them and have them find out through like a press release. So, like I think that needs to be in check better. I think there needs to be a much stronger relationship between athletes and CrossFit, and I think CrossFit needs to have a bunch more checks and balances. Yeah. Um, as far as their decision-making goes and what they're actually able to like do. And then I think the money for sure. Like, I think athletes have to be able to like legitimately have a good chance of earning a livable wage. Like mm. I'm much of the belief, like you have to earn it for sure. And you know, you don't make any money playing basketball in high school, but you're working towards getting a scholarship to go to the NBA and you're still going to put in hours and hours and hours a day. That's fine. But once you reach a certain level, like once you qualify for the CrossFit Games, you should be making at least like $30,000 a year from CrossFit, in my opinion. Like you should be able to at least live, like maybe just scrape by, but at least live. You yeah. Know? Yeah, so. certainly. What do you, so I guess because you would kind of be in the CrossFit media space, how do you see, and, and like kind of like your start and the Buttery Bros start all came with kind of the like abandoning of media presence from CrossFit. So now that things seem to be going in a better direction, how do you think, do you perceive that is going to change with like kind of outside media create, creators? No, like a threat or whatever. No, I don't yeah. think so. I think, I think the door has already been blown open and we've seen that it's possible to, to succeed as an outside creator. I think Craig was obviously the pioneer of that. He was one of the first people to really succeed at creating cross, CrossFit content, even well, CrossFit still had the stranglehold on it. Um, so I think now it's just, it's more of an example of, again, rising tides, rise, raising tide, whatever. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, you know, CrossFit's making update videos, but my videos are getting recommended under their update videos, guaranteed. And yeah. so maybe someone then clicks on my video and was like, I kind of like how this guy does it a little bit better. And then, you know what I mean? And vice versa. Like, you know, I have not, I want nothing but the best for them because I genuinely believe it's like rising tides raise all ships yeah. for sure, especially with cross with content. Craig, Craig is kind of funny. I started following him before he was even doing CrossFit. He, yeah, he released, we do. Well, no, that's when he was when he was bodybuilding. He released a full day of eating as a bodybuilder, yeah. and I yeah. saw it, and I was like, "Oh, sweet!" Yeah, Follow. I was like his first open series when he like did the open for the first time. That mm. was the first time I ever saw him. I didn't follow him then, but I like watched that series, and then it was like a few few years later when I was like, "Oh," yeah. and I like subscribed, yeah. whatever. So yeah. when are when are you and Craig going to going to the games competing? <laughs> competing. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Craig, I don't know. Me, never. Zero interest. I literally said in the video that you'll see tomorrow, the vlog, I was like, the idea of competing at the highest level in CrossFit is like so fucking crazy. Like the amount of work that you have to put, and not even just the amount of work. I, I love putting in work, obviously, but everything you do involves suffering. Like how awful is that? Like you can't, like if you're a basketball player, you can walk in and shoot threes and that's practice and that's awesome. Yeah. And that, doesn't, that doesn't suck. That's fun. There's no aspect of CrossFit training to be at the highest level, that's fun. Everything is intentional. Everything is going to suck a little bit. Even if it's like light weightlifting technique, not easy. It's still stressful on the body. You know what I mean? Like, so 
<laughs> zero. Zero interest, bro. Zero. I do. I, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I love doing CrossFit. I'll do it forever because I think it's the best fitness methodology in the world. And I enjoy doing it once or twice a day, like as in like one or two workouts a day. But hell no. Do I care <laughs> to try to be a top line competitor? If you want, if you want an interesting follow of someone who it, probably the best mindset of someone who can just handle suffering more than anyone else, you should look up Lionel Sanders. He's a professional Ironman athlete. Yep. The, the most insane mindset of any athlete I've ever seen. Like mm -hmm. probably more hardcore than Frazier or yeah. at least in the same level. Yeah. Well, it's Both. like he's he, he'll it's like someone who will like hop on a trainer and do like a four hour ride at like a VO2 max effort in like the sun outside. And he's just like, yeah, I just like really went into my pain cave there for the last <laughs> six hours. Yeah. Yeah, man. Some people are nuts, dude. Well, that's the thing is like, I said this today again, I'm basically just telling you my video for tomorrow, but I was like saying like some people for sure actually do just enjoy that. And that's great. And like, I'm not trying to say that whatever, but I like, I was just more making the point that like you might, you have to enjoy suffering and not just like this glorified sexy version of it. Like I work really fucking hard. I do. But yeah. it's very different than Matt Fraser working really hard. And yeah. I never want to work hard like Matt Fraser works hard. Not that he works harder than me. He just works hard at something different. And yeah. I don't have any interest in working. Like, I don't want to be the best interior decorator. So I'm not going to, like, go to interior decorating school. Like, that doesn't mean interior decorators are, like, harder working than me. It's just I don't like that. I don't want to do that every day, you know? So it's the yeah. same with this. But it's it's very... That's why I love documenting it though, man. It's because I'm super awestruck by it for sure. Just like you said with that Iron Man dude, like mind boggling that these people do what they do. It's so yeah, cool. For sure. All right. Looking ahead to the last chance qualifier, who do you see coming out of it? Getting a question. Yeah. To be honest, I haven't looked at all yet. I'm sure that's something I'll do for a video. Um, but I haven't looked at all yet. So I literally, I don't know who's going. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know how many spots there are. I think there's two. I'm not sure. Though. Yeah, it's two for 30 athletes. So pretty nuts. Selfishly, I want Newberry to advance because he did an Ironman, so that resonates with me. His yeah, his, time, I mean, his time was professional. It was like he yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, man. I th I think I think it'll be it'll be the best CrossFitter. It won't necessarily be the fittest that advances because I think it's only going to be like one, maybe two workouts. And if that's the case, they're going to have to do some sort of classic CrossFit workout. And because they're not going to be able to include running or swimming or anything like longer, yeah. it's probably going to be like a, I don't know, Amanda type workout, you know, and there's a very specific CrossFit athlete that's going to win that. And so, yeah, I don't know. I think it's going to be a tough, a tough thing. It'll very much depend on the test for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So the games then you mm -hmm. see Velner, Velner number one. Yeah, on the women's side. Yep. All right. Well, that rounds that out. Yeah, that's, that's definitely my top two picks for sure. Yeah, I mean it's it's hard to bet against them. So, mm -hmm. what do you think about Jason Hopper though? Dude, he seems pretty cool. Like I made fun of him because he's like a Matt Fraser clone, but like stretched out. Like he's very yeah. he's way taller than him, but he has like all the same mannerisms and like yeah. this whole thing, the fist pump with the thumbs up. Uh, I laugh so hard at that, but. Uh, no, man, he looks like a stud. Fraser posted about them, like, co him coaching him or whatever the other day, which is like, that's going to help you. Yeah. Um, I'd be excited to see. Yeah, he looked really good in that, uh, yeah. in that competition for sure.
through a through a totally random uh, occurrence, I actually met him over FaceTime. Uh, so Taylor Self, who was competing in the Granite Games, came to my local box. Mm -hmm. I happened to get a FaceTime call from him, and I was working out like by Taylor, and he just like showed us him, and we got to say like mm -hmm. what's up, and I was like, this is so crazy, this is very random. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, they're both great guys. I'm yeah. Mm -hmm. Taylor Self got the last chance qualifier, so I'm hoping he does. Well. Oh, nice, cool. Yeah. I think, I mean, that's that's it for my questions. Thanks so much for being on, for taking the time. It's a great episode. Of course, man. No yeah. worries. Fun. All right. Well, I'll see you in the next one.